Hello, I'm Tommy Peeler, and this is Carefully Examining the Text. Today, we're going to look at Psalm 4. Let me begin by reading Psalm 4 from the New American Standard Bible. The psalm is, as a heading states, for the choir director on stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. O sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are saying, Who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart more than when grain and new wine abound. In peace I both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. In this psalm, one of the difficulties is, is who is being addressed? You notice that verse 2 addresses the sons of men, who apparently are enemies or opponents of David. How long does that address continue? And it's hard to draw the lines at points within the psalm as to when that address to them ceases, and when another speaks. Lord willing, we'll try to go over all of that. But I would encourage you, in all these cases, if you want to get to the meaning of the psalm, read the psalm over and over and over again. Nothing we say can substitute for your personal study. But I do hope there are some things that we can say to help you and enrich you in your personal study of the Scriptures. But here in Psalm 4, you notice in verse 1, it begins with an urgent address to God. Answer me when I call. Really, it is only verses 1 and 6 that make direct pleas to God. In verse 1, the call for God to answer, and in verse 6, the plea for God to let his face shine upon the psalmist. And in this particular request, answer me when I call, he addresses God as, O God of my righteousness. Now, this could be because righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne, as Psalm 89, 14 and Psalm 97, verse 2 say. Or God could be described as the God of my righteousness because God is the one who vindicates us, who makes us righteous, who clears our name. It could be used in in that way. But he describes God as a righteous God, O God of my righteousness. 
And you notice in verse 1, it says, You have relieved me in my distress. Now, the New American Standard translates that as a past tense. This verb is actually a perfect in Hebrew and is translated here as past tense in the New American Standard. You have relieved me in my distress. Now, some suggest that it's better to translate this as a present request or plea. Deliver me, relieve me in my distress. But the value of translating this as past tense, and either is possible, the value of translating this as past tense is he may be calling upon God to answer him and hear his plea, and he is confident God will do this because God has done this in the past. Every past experience that we have of God's rescue and God's deliverance only gives us more encouragement when we bring our present pleas to God. The Bible says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. Philippians 4 verse 6. We can make our request with thanksgiving, acknowledging all the times that God has heard our prayer and answered our cry. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. But in verse 2, he addresses enemies. Some believe that he is addressing these enemies, these troublesome men, all the way up to verse 5. That's possible, but it's hard to again say when those lines begin and end. But he says in verse 2, O sons of men, how long will you turn my honor into reproach? Often in the book of Psalms, God is addressed with the question, How long? You see that question asked repeatedly in Psalm 13. Here, this question is addressed to men. O sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? How were they dishonoring? psalmist? Were they dishonoring him personally, or were they dishonoring the God that he served? Is God his glory or honor in this psalm? In Psalm 3, verse 3, the Bible said, You, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory. The word translated glory in Psalm 3, 3 is the same word that is translated honor here in Psalm 4 and verse 2. It may be that they are disrespecting the psalmist God. But whatever the problem, he wonders how long will this happen. And he asks in the latter part of verse 2, how long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? This word worthless was used in Psalm 2 and verse 1. When the Bible asks why the peoples were devising a vain thing. In Psalm 73, 13, the Bible talks about some who had washed their heart and their hands in vain because they were not rescued or delivered. 
the point, this word can be translated by vain, by empty in Jeremiah 51, verse 34. It is the word that's used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament uh, is a word that is often used in Ecclesiastes to translate vanity of vanity. All is vanity. But you are loving what is worthless. And maybe these refer to uh, worthless gods. Maybe these refer to empty things. But, but you love what's worthless. You aim at deception. And that word deception, the same word is used in Psalm 5-6 to talk about speaking falsehood. But it's also apparently used of false gods. For example, in Psalm chapter 40 and verse 4. So the point that I'm trying to stress in this particular language is the psalmist just cannot believe man's hostility to God. He cannot believe that they are opposing him because of his service to God. How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. Verse 3 states. So verse 3, the Lord has set apart the godly man. Do you remember how the plagues struck the land of Egypt? But God set apart his people, and the plagues did not affect them. In Exodus 8, verse 22, in Exodus 9, verse 4, the same word for set apart is the word that's used here. Just as God set apart the Israelites from the Egyptians, God has set apart the godly, godly man when he calls. Now, the word godly goes back to the Hebrew word to describe God's loving kindness or God's mercy. And this person, this godly person, is one whose life has been shaped by the experiences of God's loving kindness, of God's mercy, and God's grace. In verse 4, or verse 3, excuse me, the text says, the Lord hears when I call. In verse 1, he begged God to answer when he called, to hear his prayer. But now here in 4, verse 3, the Lord has indeed done this. The Lord has heard his cry. The Lord has answered his call. In verse 4, he says, Tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Now, this is difficult to figure out who is being addressed. Is he talking here to his enemies and telling them that they need not to sin does it, when he says tremble and do not sin and meditate in your heart, are they meditating, reflecting on their evil ways? Is he seeking to persuade them not to walk in an evil path? Some think the psalmist is even addressing himself, that even though he trembles, or as 
the Septuagint says, is angry. He is not to sin, but he's to meditate on his bed. This passage is quoted in Ephesians 4, verse 26. Ephesians 4, 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. It quotes from the Greek version. Be angry and do not sin. The next passage in Ephesians says, do not let, it says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And the next verse says, do not give the devil an opportunity. When we hold on to anger, when we harbor it within our hearts, we are giving the devil an opportunity to cause us to sin. And so this text calls us to tremble, to be angry, to be angry and do not sin. Practical advice from Psalm 4.4 is used in Ephesians 4.26 and 27 to counsel us against harboring anger. The Bible says in verse 5, Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Offer righteous sacrifices. In Psalm chapter 51 or Psalm 51, as David is confessing his sin with Bathsheba, he states, The Lord does not delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, but in a broken, contrite heart. But in Psalm 51, David is not undermining all sacrifices in the place they serve. For in Psalm 51, verse 19, he talks about offering righteous sacrifices. And here, Psalm 4, verse 5, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. In verse 6, many are saying, who will show us any good? Now again, the question in this psalm, who are these many? Are the many enemies acting in hostility to David? Are the many those who are his friends, but they are distressed and discouraged? Is that the many? The truth is, it's very difficult to determine. But whether these many are mocking David or whether these many are discouraged and despondent, they are asking who will show us any good. And David's, David's admonition is to look to the Lord and to turn the eyes of these people to the Lord. In verse 6, many are saying, Who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. Lift up your eyes upon us. Remember the blessing that the priests pronounce. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. In number 6, verses 24 through 26. And here David is asking the Lord to do this. Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. And you have put gladness in my heart more than when 
their wine, their grain, and new wine abound. The joys the Lord gives are greater than the blessings of harvest. The joys that the Lord gives is better than a cupboard full of food and a bunch of money to buy it. God's blessings, God's presence, is the greatest blessing of all. It is interesting that the word many, which is used in verse 6, is from the same root as the word translated abound in the latter part of verse 7. Just as many were asking, who will show us any good, the Lord is the answer to that, and he can give us much joy, more joy than when grain and new wine are many or are multiplied to us. In verse 8, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Some believe that Psalm 3 was a morning prayer. You remember the words of verse 5, I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. Psalm 3 may have been a morning prayer after God's protection on what seemed to be a dangerous night. Psalm 4 may be an evening prayer. In verse 8, I lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. It may be that in your house that you have locks on your door. It may be that you have an alarm system, and it may be, if those don't work, you have some means of protection. Many of us have all of these, but ultimately, our protection, our deliverance is from the Lord. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. The word safety is connected to the word trust. In verse 5, we are called to trust in the Lord. Psalm 4, verse 5, trust in the Lord. In verse 8, we are told the result of such trust by the same Hebrew root, we will dwell in safety. That doesn't mean deliverance from every problem or no difficulties or distress, but it does mean ultimately the Lord will bring us through. More will be said on that theme, Lord willing, in Psalms to come. Can you see Jesus in Psalm 4? Jesus was in the position of calling upon God and being heard by God. He prayed to God many times in his ministry, particularly in the Gospel of Luke. And he prayed in Gethsemane that the cup would pass from him. Hebrews 5, 7 refers to that occasion when it says the prayer was heard. And just as the psalmist in his distress looked at disobedient man and asked, How long, O sons of men, 
when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and the disciples were unable to cast out a demon, Jesus asked, How long? How long will I put up with you? Mark 9, 19, Luke 9, verse 41. And those who were wicked, who were violent, turned his glory into shame. They mocked him for his claims that he was the Son of God, that he was the Messiah who came to fulfill Scripture. But just as David found a greater joy in God's presence than he did in the presence of multitudes of grain and new wine, so in the same way Jesus found joy in his presence when he had fasted 40 days and had eaten nothing. And the devil tempted him to turn the stones into bread. Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of his mouth. He found his greatest joy in God. For the choir director on stringed instruments, a psalm of David, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception, Salah? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still, Salah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are saying, Who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart more than when grain and new wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.